Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Good morning, Calvary Aurora. It is always such an incredible blessing to be here with you. In fact, uh, you're my Christmas present. Uh, uh, to get to be here with all of you is uh, so incredible. Some uh, people get clothes and food and tech gifts, computers and things like that. And my gift is to come and teach the Bible to all of you. Such a blessing to be here with you. Uh, through the years we've come to know and love so many of you. And uh, we always enjoy being here because I love your pastor. How many love Ed and Marie Taylor, huh? We love them so much. They're so great. As Jason mentioned, I'm from Calvary Chapel Golden Springs out in California, and I want to bring you greetings from Pastor Raul Reese, our pastor, and all of our people there. Uh, we love you guys. We pray for you guys. There's really a connection between our two churches. So many of the things that you guys are passionate about and involved in, we are as well. And so we're always thinking of you, always praying for you. And so whenever I get a chance to come out and uh, hang out with all of you, uh, it's such a blessing. Well, how many brought a Bible today? Let me see all of the Bibles. Oh, now I know I'm in Calvary Aurora. <laughs> Open, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. One of the things I so love about Calvary Aurora is it is a Jesus church. It's centered on and focused on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you walk in downstairs at the information desk, you see on the wall there, we wish to see Jesus. Here on the front of the pulpit, you see the words, we wish to see Jesus. And on this last Sunday of the year, I can think of no more fitting thing to talk to you about than Jesus. Because there is no one more wonderful than Jesus. There is no one more amazing than Jesus. There is no one more incredible than Jesus. And this morning we want to look at a passage of Scripture that is often looked at at this time of year. The title of this message is An Astounding Prophecy About Jesus. And the text is in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As we come to study this important passage, let's bow our hearts in prayer. And as we come to pray, if you'll do me a great favor, if you just hold your open Bible out in front of you, just hold it there in front of you as we pray, will you? God, we thank you so much for this book that we hold in our hands. It is the greatest book in all of the world. It is the greatest book in human history. For this book, and only this book, is the word of the living God, is the very breath of God. And Lord, we know that the very center, the very heart, the very theme of the Bible is Jesus. And so we pray as we study this ancient prophecy today that the Holy Spirit would open our minds and open our hearts to see Jesus in a way that we've never seen him before. And we'll bless you, we'll praise you, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 2,000 years ago, just after Christmas, wise men, magi, kingmakers came from the east to worship Jesus. These men were the wisest, most intelligent men in the world at that time. And as they came to worship Jesus, they came with a question. The question was, where is he born king of the Jews? Where is the king? 
Now, in one sense, that was a strange question because the Jews already had a king. His name was Herod. But in another way, it was the most important question that anyone could ever ask. Because for century after century after century, God's people were asking the very same question. Where is the king? You see, in many ways, the story of the Old Testament is the story of the failure of earthly kings. It's the story of the failure of earthly rulers. You remember the story of the Old Testament that God's people, they wanted to be like all of the other nations, and so they demanded that God give to them a king. They demanded of Samuel, give us a king. And so they got King Saul, who disqualified himself, and then there was David, the man after God's own heart, but He was a man who committed adultery and was involved in a plot of murder. And then there was Solomon, the king with a divided heart, who left behind a divided kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, there were 19 kings. And in the southern kingdom, there were 20 kings before God's people were taken into captivity. And some of those kings were good kings. But in the end, all of them failed. The best of all of those kings was David. And so to David was given a promise that one day there was going to come a king from the line of David that would be a king unlike any other king. He would be a king above all the other kings and he would rule and reign in a glorious and wonderful way. And the people of God begin to call that king the Messiah. They called him the Messiah because the Hebrew word Mashiach means anointed one. The kings were anointed, but this king was going to be the anointed one. And many of the prophets prophesied about this king, about this Messiah. But the key prophecy about this king, about this Messiah, is in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. Indeed, probably Daniel in Babylon passed along this prophecy to the wise men, to the Magi, who passed it on and on and on and on until it got to the Magi, the wise men in Jesus' day. And they came and they said, where is the king? In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 7, we see this prophecy. And as we will learn, it's an astounding prophecy about Jesus. 700 years before the time of Christ, Isaiah wrote these words. Look at verse 1 to 7. Nevertheless, the gloom or the darkness will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. In Galilee... Of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder the rod of his oppressor is in the day of Midian for every warrior sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning in the fuel of fire for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. An astounding prophecy about the king who was to come, the king of all kings, and as we will see, an astounding prophecy about Jesus. In this prophecy, given 700 years before Jesus was born, there are three things that I want you to see, and if you happen to be a note taker, you may want to just jot these three things down. Three things about this king. The need, number one, the need for this king. Number two, the nature of this king. And number three, the name of this king. The need for this king, the nature of this king, and the name of this king. The first thing we see in this prophecy is about the need for this king. It's found in verses 1 to 5. It is interesting that Verse 6 and 7, everyone knows about those verses. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and so on. But people forget what's right before this. What's the context? And that context is actually very important because it gives the backdrop for the child, the son. And it shows the need for this king to come. And as you read through these interesting verses, what you will see is that there are Three reasons why this king needed to come. First, there were people that were in darkness and they needed light. And then there were people who were brokenhearted and they needed the joy of the Lord. And then there were people who were bound and oppressed and they needed to be set free. And this king, when he came, he would do that. There were people in darkness and they needed light. So you see at the end of verse 1, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those in, who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, on them a light has shined. Jesus did most of his ministry in Galilee. And in Matthew 4 and verse 17, Matthew quotes this passage of Scripture to say that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy because Jesus brought light into their darkness. In John 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus not only brought light into their darkness, he can bring light into your darkness as we gather today, some of you are in a dark place in your life, a dark place in your marriage, a dark place in your family. And Jesus wants to come, and he wants to shine his light into that darkness. Listen, I find it so wonderful that Jesus was born at night. The light came into the darkness, and the light of Jesus can come into your darkness. But he was not only the light for those in the darkness, this king needed to come because there were people who were brokenhearted and they needed the joy of the Lord. Notice, if you will, in verse 3, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice in the day of the spoil. Jesus was going to come and bring joy at his birth. The angel said to the shepherds in the field, behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy, because Jesus, who is joy, was going to come and bring joy to those who were so brokenhearted. And you know, there are a lot of people in our day who are brokenhearted. Their lives are shattered 
And they need Jesus to come and bring healing and wholeness to their life and bring joy to them. You remember Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3, which says, God will give you beauty for your ashes. He will give you the oil of joy for your mourning. He will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Jesus was going to come not only to bring light in the world, he was going to come to bind up the brokenhearted, and he can bind up your broken heart. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. But King Jesus can. King Jesus can take the broken pieces of your life and my life and put them together again. But this king was going to come not only because people were in darkness and needed light, and not only because they were brokenhearted and needed joy, but because they were bound and oppressed and they needed to be set free. This is the, what, what's being said in verse 4. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff from off his shoulder and the rod of the oppressor. God's people throughout the time of the Old Testament and into the time of the New Testament were held captive and oppressed by so many different nations and they were longing for this king to come and bring them deliverance to break the yoke of bondage. And Jesus came to do that, but in a much greater way because he wasn't going to just free them from some earthly political power. He was going to come and free them from sin. He was going to come and free them from disease. He was going to come and free them from the devil. And that's exactly what Jesus did as he went around. He went around forgiving people. He went around healing people. He went around setting people free from demons. And you know what? He's doing the same thing today because there are many people who are bound and they need to be set free. There are people that are bound by alcohol. They're bound by drugs. They're bound by pornography. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus can set you free, that Jesus can set anyone free because he is a king unlike any other king. Oh, the need of this king. If this king was needed in the first century, how many believe he's needed in the 21st century? I believe it. But the nature of this king, the need of this king, people were in darkness and they needed light, and that was Jesus. They were brokenhearted and needed joy, and that was Jesus. They were bound and needed to be set free, and that was Jesus. The need of this king, but then the nature, the nature of this king. He wasn't going to be like any other king before or after. This is what we see in the first part of verse 6. Look at it carefully. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. If you have a pen or a pencil right now, I'd like you to underline or circle two words that I just read. Underline the word child and underline the word son. Those two words are very important in describing the nature of this king. The word child points to the humanity of Jesus, whereas the word son points to the divinity of Jesus. Jesus was fully man and fully God. No other king like this king, the God-man king. For unto us a child is born. Jesus was fully human. Jesus was in the womb of Mary. Jesus passed through the birth canal. Jesus cried. Jesus had to eat. Jesus had to learn to walk. Jesus had to learn to read. Jesus went through all of the things you and I go through 
so he can sympathize with our weaknesses. That when we go to him and we cry out to him, he feels our pain in his heart. Oh, so important that this king be human, but no ordinary human. That is why the word child is capitalized, because he was sinless. He was not born just like you and me. He was born of the Virgin Mary. In Isaiah 7 and verse 14, another prophecy, Behold, I give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. People say, how in the world could that be? That's the same question Mary asked 2,000 years ago. And the angel Gabriel said to her, The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. So important that Jesus be fully human so he understands us. So important he be sinless so that he could die in your place, in my place, as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Unto us a child is born, but then unto us a son is given. That points to the divinity of Christ, that he was fully God. You remember Matthew 1 and verse 23, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel told Mary in Luke 1 and verse 35, he said, that holy one which will be born of you will be called the Son of God. I have two sons. They're human. <laughs> they have my nature. Jesus, the Son of God, points to his divinity. Fully human, fully divine. Oh, listen, no king like this king ever. That he knows what we go through, yet he could be our sacrifice, and he has the power as God to deal with the things in our life. So wondrous, so wondrous is this God-man king. The story is told of a young farmer who lives in the Midwest, and on Christmas Eve, this young farmer's wife bundled up the kids to walk them to the church for the Christmas Eve service. It was snowing outside, and she asked him, do you want to go with us? And he said, no, I don't want to do that church thing. I don't understand this Jesus coming to earth and all of that business. That doesn't make any sense to me. And so off she went with the kids, and he sat down in his comfortable chair by the fire to read his newspaper. And as he's reading there in the quiet, all of a sudden he hears this wham! Something slammed up against the window, and all of a sudden, wham! There it was again. Wham! I thought, what in the world is going on? So he went over to the window, and he discovered that there were some birds that were flying into the window. They could see the light. They could feel the warmth. They were trying to, wham! They were trying to get inside. The young farmer was moved with compassion for these poor birds, and he wanted to help them, so he had an idea. He put on his coat and his boots, and he went out, and he opened the barn where they kept the ponies, thinking, I can get the birds in from out of the weather, and they'll be safe in the barn. But the birds didn't go in, and so he tried to shoo them in, and... They didn't understand, I and mean, he was so different and so much bigger than them. He, couldn't, he, he went and got some breadcrumbs and made a trail of breadcrumbs and threw breadcrumbs in the air, and everything he tried, he couldn't seem to help these poor little birds. And he stood there in the opening of the barn, and he thought, if I could just become a bird for just a moment, then they would know if I could become like them then they would know that I care about them. Then I could save them. And right there, all of a sudden, the whole truth of Jesus, the God-man king, came in upon his mind, and he dropped right there in the snow, and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. Oh, oh, the nature of this king, the God-man king. But he would not only come, in a manger, he would come to rule and reign. That's why verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. 
the term government here is a collective term. It isn't referring to the government of one nation. It is referring to the government of all of the nations, of all of the world, that this king they were looking for, this God-man king, was going to rule and was going to reign, was going to have all of the governments upon his shoulder. Being a king, being a ruler, is a weighty responsibility. And the greater the country, the bigger the nation, the weightier that responsibility. And you can only imagine the weightiness of all of the nations, all the governments of the world. And often those weights were pictured as if on the shoulders of the leader. But what is amazing here is it says the government will be upon his shoulder. His shoulder. I remember when I was playing basketball in high school, our coach made us go to the gym and um, do weight training. And we did these things called squats. And what they would do is take a barbell, they would load it up with as much weight as you could handle it, and they would put it on your shoulders. <laughs> and you would try to hold that thing up and do those squats. But here this king can take the weight of all of the nations of the world and rest them easily upon one shoulder. And listen, if he can take the weight of all the nations of the world, he can carry the weight of your life and my life and your problems and my problems. Oh, how many love this God-man king. Oh, the nature of this king. But the most astounding thing about this prophecy is the third thing, is the name of this king. Notice, if you will, in verse 6, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Often when studying this passage, students ask me, they say, Pastor Larry, are there four names here or are there five names here? And the reason why is because some Bible translations say his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, comma, so that would be number one. Mighty God, comma, so that would be number two. Everlasting Father, comma, so that would be number three and Prince of Peace, so that would be number four. Is this four names, or is it five names? Is it Wonderful? That would be one. Counselor, that would be two. Mighty God, that would be three. Everlasting Father, that would be four. Prince of Peace, that would be five. Is it four names, or is it five names? Answer, it is one name. It is one name. You're careful students of the Bible. And so you see that it doesn't say his names shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, but his name. It is the greatest name of God in the Bible. It is the greatest name of the Messiah. The ancient rabbis likened it to the five fingers on your hand so you would remember the five-fold name of this king. And the more names, the more awesome it is. As careful students of the Bible, you know that in the Old Testament, there are many single names of God like the name Elohim, which simply means God, or the name Adonai, which simply means Lord, or the name Jehovah, which means I am. But then there are some double, name God, uh, double names of God, some compound names of God, 
like he's called El Shaddai, even more awesome. God Almighty. He's called El Olam, which means the God of the ages. He's called El Elyon, which means God Most High. The double names of God. Oh, so awesome. There's Jehovah, but then there's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. There's Jehovah, but then there's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. There's Jehovah, but then there's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. The double names of God. Even more awesome than a single name of God. But here, here is a five-fold name. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name. I have a word for that. Wow, this is amazing. The five-fold name of this king. The first part of his name is that he is wonderful. The word in Hebrew, Pele, means magnificent, glorious, sublime, stupendous, beyond describing. And that, that Jesus is. Perhaps you remember Judges 13 and verse 18, where the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, the father of Samson, why do you ask my name seeing? It is wonderful. It is wonderful. Oh, everything about Jesus is wonderful. <laughs> the great preacher Adrian Rogers once said, his birth is wonderful. His life is wonderful. His works are wonderful. His words are wonderful. His death is wonderful. His resurrection is wonderful. His ascension is wonderful. His intercession for us is wonderful. His coming again is wonderful. Everything about Jesus is wonderful. Do you know he's wonderful? The story's told about an old preacher. He was riding on a train one time, and they were out in the scenic part of our country, and as he was sitting there, he looked across, and there was an old man by the window, and all of a sudden, the old man just said, Oh, wonderful. So wonderful. A few minutes later, he, he could see there were tears streaming down the old man's face, and he said again, Wonderful. So Wonderful. A few minutes later, the tears came again, and he said, Wonderful, so wonderful. Curious, the old preacher got up. He went across the aisle. He sat down next to the old man, and he said, uh, I'm curious, you keep saying wonderful. Have you never been on this train before? Have you never seen this scenic countryside? And the old man said to him, No, you don't understand. He said, You see, I lost my eyesight for many years. I couldn't see anything at all. He said, but they've just done a surgery to give me back my vision. And he said, as, as I look out and I see the sky, it's, it's just so blue. It's, it's so wonderful. And I look at the trees and they're so green and it's so wonderful. And I look at the flowers and they're so bright, and it's so wonderful. Oh, dear ones, Jesus is wonderful, I pray. I pray our study today reminds you. It opens your eyes again to see who Jesus is, how wonderful he is. But he's not only wonderful, he's counselor. He's counselor. A counselor in ancient times and in our day was a person who possessed more wisdom or knowledge than you did. So when you didn't know what to do, you would go to that person. And Jesus is the counselor above all other counselors because earthly counselors know some things, but Jesus knows everything. <laughs> Absolutely everything. And you know in our day... We got all kinds of counselors. There are financial counselors, and there are legal counselors, and there are career counselors, and there are marriage counselors, and people that they're always going to these counselors. But I'll tell you what, you don't want to go to a financial advisor for marriage counselor. Big mistake. You don't want to go to a legal counselor for career advice. Big mistake. Why? Because financial counselors don't know about marriage. 
and career counselors don't know about legal matters. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus knows about all matters. He knows about everything in your life and my life. In Colossians 2 and verse 3, it says that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, if you're here today and you're in a place in your life and you don't know what to do, maybe you need guidance, go to Jesus, the wonderful counselor. If you're having trouble in your marriage today, go to Jesus. He's that wonderful counselor. If you're having trouble with your kids and your family, go to Jesus. He's that wonderful counselor. But he's not only wonderful, and he's not only counselor. Third, he's mighty God. Now, this description of Jesus is sometimes misunderstood because there is a name of God in the Old Testament, El Shaddai. We talked about it a moment ago, which means God Almighty. But that's not the name of God here. The name here is El Gibur. And the word Gibur means a soldier, a warrior, a champion, a defender, a hero. It could be translated instead of mighty God, our great defender. And that is who Jesus is. In your life, in my life, often enemies will rise up against us of all different kinds. And Jesus, when we run to him, say, Jesus, I need your help. I need your help. Jesus will say back to us, listen, the battle's not yours. The battle is mine. And he will rise up. He will defend you. He will defend me. How many glad today? Jesus is our great defender. He's our il Gibur. He's our mighty God. But his name is not only wonderful counselor, mighty God. It is everlasting Father. Someone says, oh, Pastor Larry, I hope you explain that one. Because that's the one that really confuses me. Such a curious name of Jesus who is the Son, now he's everlasting Father? Is this saying that Jesus is God the Father, as some of the cults would suggest? No, it is not. The Bible teaches a doctrine we call the Trinity, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is not saying that Jesus is God the Father. It's saying something so incredible, something so amazing. Literally, the Hebrew reads this way. He's the father of eternity. Or it could be translated, he is the architect of the ages. Or it could be translated, he is the creator of time and space. The originator of time and space. Everlasting Father, when you start to think about it and the way the Hebrew is translated, actually it's pretty simple to understand. Father? Well, a father is before his children. A father creates his children. And a father watches over his children. And that Jesus is the everlasting Father means that Jesus is before all created things. He brought all things into existence and he watches over all those created things. I have a word for that. Wow! Wow! In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made without him, by Him, and without Him was not made anything that was made. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the beginning from the end because He watches over all things. How many glad that we got a Savior, we have a King who watches over us from beginning to end. So amazing. But then, he's not only the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, he's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Jesus, when he came, talked so much about peace in John 16, He said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. 
but be a good cheer because I have overcome the world. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. His peace is a peace that surpasses understanding. In Philippians 4 and verse 7, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that this Prince of Peace gives is a peace that is indescribable, and so many of you who are here today know exactly what I'm talking about. When you've been in the worst time of your life, you had a peace. When a loved one so close to you was separated from you by death, you had peace. When Jesus can not only bring personal peace, he can bring peace in your marriage, he can bring peace in your family, and one day he's going to bring peace in all of the world, the peace that men are so longing for, so looking for. Oh, oh, this king, oh, the name of this king. King. He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. King. And who? Who is this King? In Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11, Paul says, Since he died in your place and my place, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every other name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, he came once in a manger, but he's coming again. Soon he's coming again to rule and to reign. And that's why the prophecy goes on. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. When he rules and reigns, his peaceful reign will never end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time even forward. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. And someday soon, we're going to see that. The Apostle John in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 11, verse 15, said, And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. How many looking forward to Jesus ruling and reigning? How many looking forward to Jesus righting all the wrongs? How many looking forward to Jesus wiping away all of our tears? Oh, Oh, there's no king like this king. An astounding prophecy about Jesus. 700 years before Christ came, Isaiah wrote, he said, there's somebody that's going to come and bring light into the darkness. There's somebody that's going to come that's going to bring joy to the brokenhearted. There's somebody that's going to come, that's going to bring liberty to the captives. And somebody that's going to come is the child son, the God-man king. And his name is going to be above every other name. It's going to be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, king. Oh, no king. No king like our king. I finished this morning with a beautiful piece that I like so much. It's peace that describes our Savior in such a wonderful way, a peace called this Jesus. Someone has written, this Jesus came from the glories of heaven to the humiliation of a manger being made like us that we might be made like him. He was born contrary to the laws of nature, lived in poverty, was reared in obscurity, and only once crossed the boundary of the land in which he was born. This Jesus had no wealth or influence nor training and education in the world's schools and his relatives were virtually unknown. But in his infancy, this Jesus startled a king. In his boyhood, this Jesus puzzled the learned doctors. 
powers. And in his manhood, Jesus ruled the course of nature, overthrew the powers of darkness, and healed multitudes without any medicine at all. This Jesus never wrote a book. Yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books written about him. This Jesus never wrote a song. Yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters there ever have been. This Jesus never founded a college. Yet all the schools together cannot boast of as many students as Jesus has had. This Jesus never earned a counseling degree, but he has healed more broken hearts than all the psychiatrists and counselors combined. This Jesus never founded a hospital, yet he, only he is the great physician and still heals people today. Though he never held in office, all the emperors and kings that have ever reigned have not impacted life on this planet as much as this Jesus has. Throughout history, great men have come and gone. But this Jesus is the greatest of them all. For only he conquered death, hell, and the grave and lives forever. This Jesus is our Savior, our Healer, our Provider, our Counselor, our Teacher, our Shepherd, our Comforter, our Light, our Strength, our Hope, our Help, our Peace, and so much more. This Jesus, this Jesus, this Jesus... This Jesus is all you and I will ever need. This Jesus is our Jesus. And I can think of no better way to finish this year than to give Jesus the praise, the honor, and the glory that he is so deserving of. I can think of no better way for Calvary Aurora to end its last worship service, its last Sunday morning of the year, than to give a standing ovation to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I invite you to join me in giving this praise, give him this honor, give him this glory. Lord, we worship you and praise you, for you are the God-man King. We honor you, Lord. We magnify you and exalt you for the greatness of who you are, for the greatness of your name and your power and your goodness. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you that he came to perfectly fulfill this ancient prophecy that the king everyone was looking for. Where is the king? Where is the king? Where is the king? The king came. The God-man king to go through what we go through so that he could meet our needs. Today, Lord, as we've gathered, there are some people who are in darkness and they need light. We pray today, Jesus, the light of the world, would invade their dark place and everything would change in just a moment, just like turning on a light. All of a sudden, the switch would go on. Lord, we pray for some who are here today and they're brokenhearted, all the king's horses and all the king's men can put them together, but Jesus can. We pray, Lord, that you would come and bind up the wounds of their hearts and give them the oil of joy for their mourning. Give them the garment of praise for any heaviness they might have. Lord, for those who are bound and need to be set free, how we thank you that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, totally free. Lord, some, we pray you would deliver them even now as we're praying. Some who are here, some who are listening by radio or on the internet, set them free, Lord, that they might praise you. And we thank you, Lord, that this king is coming again soon. And very soon, we're going to hear the trumpet sound and the king will come. And we long for, we look for that day when we get to see our king. 
Lord, I thank you so much for Calvary Aurora, this amazing Jesus church. So focused and centered on Jesus, and I pray in the coming year, everything that happens in this place would be about Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much for my friend, Pastor Ed Taylor and his beautiful wife, Marie. We love them so much. They're such great pastors, such great leaders. Bless them, Lord, we pray, as they're taking a time away just to be together and to be with you. And we pray that you would give them rest and refreshing, that you would renew their spirits, Lord. They would return just refueled and recharged and with new vision and direction for this church. God, we thank you for 2018, but we look forward to 2019. Lord, truly, you have done great things in this place, but we believe that even greater things are yet to come. And I pray, Lord, that 2019 would be the most incredible, most productive, most blessed year Calvary Aurora has ever experienced. And not, Lord, just as a church, but everyone who's here today. Lord, I pray that this coming year, Lord, would be the best year that they have spent in their walk with you. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you for these things. In the name of Jesus, in that name that is above every other name, in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.